Okay, well, welcome back to another Reeducation Experience podcast. I have to say, honestly, as, as a listener and as someone who's doing this, I love doing this more and more and more as I go. It's not a burden. It's like a love. It's a passion. And, and why is this? Well, the more I do this, the more well, I get selfishly the ability to ask people that I trust and respect about things that I wish I knew from them. And this platform has given me that ability. Um, but of course, I have to say, I'm truly blessed that being in this position to do this, I can extract this constant real world wisdom and share it out to you guys who may not just have that same access or just, of course, are living your lives and, and doing your thing. So it's this combination that just fuels me to do this show, to dig harder and bring as much value as I can to you. So today I get the honor to bring on another, uh, actually uh, another two-time guest. And when we did this for the first time, it was on episode 34. We laid out uh, that this would be a two-part series. It just took us a little while to do this. <laughs> and I, I know um, I know this is going to bring so much value. As times pass and watching the changes that our current guest has gone through, it gets me even more excited to bring him back on because, again, I know he's more fueled than ever about what he's doing, which is pretty amazing to say after all these years. So today I'm going to be bringing on super, super coach Bill Pipes. Um, Bill was, for those that maybe missed this or are new to my world or the show, he was my personal mentor. He was my personal coach for four years straight, which is a long time for a lot of coaching relationships during my biggest growth years in my real estate career. All the major shifts happened when I was with Bill. I know that my success, again, was in massive part to our time together, my friend, and the partnership that I felt as coach and student. So um, beyond that, though, I'm not that important. Bill's Pipes has been a, a leading coach at back in the day at Keller Williams in their yeah. MAPS program, which even is just- my, even, even before that, Mike Ferry, dude. Like, oh, even so, before that in the Mike Ferry yeah, world. That for like a decade with Mike Ferry, dude. So. And Keller Williams, yes, is known in the industry yeah. for all those around it, uh, just how powerful their coaching program was and was instrumental there. Then into the Tom Ferry organization, yeah. uh, he did that and it was the coach of coaches within that world and led and drove that. He did then over a small little stint, they did a big event with, you, you might've heard of success. Well, success coaching, they did a big event, took part in that and and also played a large role with Cap, uh, Black Live coaching for a little bit, which is a coach to the you know, mega teams out there if you follow John Cheplak in his world. Um, now he's moved on to probably where he's always should have been doing this on his fully on his own and it's just coachpipes.com, right? Is that right? Yeah, coachpipes.com, yes. Right. So. Yeah. The goal for, and him and I talked offline a little bit, but about this goal, this recent journey, he just, he's figured out how to get people over that million dollar mark. And he just knows he can make real estate millionaires, which is awesome to see that he's kind of built that formula. He's got the experience behind him and he can, he's driving people to that world. So um, he, him himself, like back in the day, he ran successful real estate teams. He did it in multiple markets. He did it in traditional. He did it with also online systems and solutions. And now probably tens of thousands of coaching calls later, um, his real world experience coupled with that time is just a wild ride of information. So um, with that too, if you, if you went to his Instagram and you went down his path, you'll see recently he's kind of livened up the NLP training world again. It's something that's always been near and dear to his heart. And I'm going to ask him what that is and share a little bit about that um, as well. But he runs workshops. Thousands have attended these across North America. I've, I've seen, even sent my own team down to some of these over time. Yeah, which has it's been awesome skill. having them there, man. It's been yeah, it's just a skill that's rarely taught. So, Bill, my friend, my mentor, my coach, um, welcome to the show again. I, and I'm glad you you let it off with my friend because it's such a wonderful, I chills on my arms, such a wonderful thing when a client becomes a friend and then that friend becomes family. And I look at you and Becky and the kids and everyone like as family, man. And it's um, to, to watch the growth that's happened from the small team, <laughs> right, to the bigger 
red line to the big and what you're doing to give back. I just, I just honor you, man. And just inspired all the time. So thank you for having me back, bro. Awesome, yeah. man. Absolutely. Now I probably missed, I missed, okay. Father to two, yes. right. You know, loving spouse, um, and scaler of mountains, <laughs> scaler of mountains. Yes. Attempted scaler of mountains. I got my ass handed to me in Ecuador this last, last, uh, go around like myself and, uh, my buddy, Chris Snar and Dan beer, like a bunch of us, like went up there and I, you know, it's funny. Cause I thought like Ecuador, we we're supposed to go to Russia, right. Was what was the game. Cause we were on this hunt for the seven summits. Right. Cause you know, one of the things that I think is really important for any, any trainer, is if you're asking people to take risks, if you're asking people to push the envelope, then you need to continue to do that. And I realized a long time ago that I wasn't, and I took on, like I climbed Kilimanjaro, climbed Aconcagua, two of the big summits uh, that are on the seven, and then we're supposed to go to Russia. And then COVID happened, visa challenges, and then the war took place. And so we went to Ecuador. And honestly, it's one of those things where we thought this could be an easy climb. And oh boy, oh boy, man. You know, like I, I learned something, everything's simple, nothing's easy. You know what I mean? Right. The climb simple, but it wasn't easy. So yeah, but good to I mean, be back. Man. I, I always like to ask like in the last year, a lot of change when you and I were chatting last time, if you flip back to episode 34 for anybody listening, wants to pick up kind of where we started, the shift was just starting to happen, Yeah, right? We were just going through this. And of course, you know, uh, a, a lot about that throughout your years and decades into this coaching, but personally, as of no, you've also had some significant changes again, health wise, and you've made some decisions. Can you, can you unpack a little bit about the year for, for people? For sure. It's been, it's been an exciting year. Um, a, you know, I've been really fortunate, I would say to be, um, aligned and connected with great economists and, and, you know, uh, forward thinking industry leaders, um, and predictors, um, you know, in terms of, uh, the real estate landscape and, so, you know, back in, and I, I started talking and not, not that I'm like some Oracle and look into crystal ball, but everything was pointing and all, all the people that I trust who I turn to economically, um, you know, were coming to me saying, dude, this, this shift is happening. And that was January. And that was, keep in mind, January, February, everything was super strong. Like, I mean, it, we, we thought this was going to go on forever, but they're like, Hey, it's coming. It's changing. We can't keep up with this. Um, and then obviously we saw, you know, April, the adjustment and May, it really hit. And then it really came around. I think it was, uh, I was leading a seminar in, uh, in Atlanta and it was in October. And I remember day number one, Langell, man, I'm speaking and I've never felt such a permeating uh, sense of fear in a room than what I felt on day number one inside that room and come to find out, you know, October, November were the bottom of the market that like when you, when you look back and you point indicatively to where was the bottom of the market, what NAR down here in the States um, and uh, all economists are pointing to is saying, Hey, it was October, end of October, beginning of November was the bottom. Right. And so, you know, like, fortunately we were able, I was able to be able to actually make some moves with the coaching clients that I have be able to cut expenses intelligently, be able to scale up in terms of their outbound reaches, change their skills because it's a different dialogue and get them back into a market where you had to work. And so, you know, a lot of people, you know, I was, I was super fortunate to be able to actually support a lot of people in navigating those waters and be able to come out this next year and be like on fire ahead of last year, even. So what do you think was some of those? I love that just that you mentioned right off the bat, like that was a time for agents to cut expenses expenses. Yeah. How does one decide, you know, how do you help them do that? Because again, a lot of the time when your things are going so well, you just, you, we just spend money, you spend money. Oh, like, it, it, where do you point them to do that? So you don't get so, rid of something uh, that's a myth yeah. that you're like, I shouldn't have probably got rid of that. How do you do that? Yeah. So there, there's, there, there's two different, three ways that I look at it. Okay. Number one, as I go with the easy, low hanging fruit, which is I have, I don't know about you, but I did this like at that time I went and I went, where are all the shit that I'm spending money on that I don't even know I'm spending money, the subscriptions and all this other stuff that I'm not using and not aware of. I personally cut close to $2,000 worth of stuff on a monthly basis that I wasn't even aware that I was spending. Right. And so I have them go there and we do what's called a financial, I get them onto what's called a financial Friday for the larger teams. And what a financial Friday is, is where every Friday they sit down with whoever it is, their director of operations, or you can do this if you're an individual agent yourself and you just go, where was all my money going this, this week? 
right? Not for the month, but this week. Was it necessary? Is this something I wasn't aware of? And you just go through your credit card statements, your your uh, balance sheet, and you just go, what can I, what, what am I not using that I didn't even know I had? And like I said, for myself, for most, for most teams, it's a yeah. couple thousand dollars that they don't even recognize, right? And that's number one. Then, so that Financial Friday is really effective with that to just have that awareness because um, one, one of the tenets that I really live my life around, and I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt is the first stage to transformation is awareness. If you're not aware, you cannot transform. So I have to get people really aware of where the money's going. Number two, then is I, I always look at on lead sources, right? Um, lead sources that I can de definitively point at and say, I'm spending money on this, like my pay-per-click, my realtor.com, my Zillow, um, my uh, whatever, all the other type of lead sources that there are. And then we dig into what's our CPC, cost per closing, and what's our ROI, return on investment. And, and a lot of people, you know, like I remember Ferry, the, the, the younger Ferry, Tom talking like, Hey, we want to shoot for a six X ROI. Do you remember that? Remember that conversation with six X? Well, that, I, I think that's a little unrealistic. You know what I mean? And for most people, I'm like, okay, um, can we, are we getting a three X on this? Are we spending a dollar getting three or we're spending a dollar getting two? Um, and depending upon the lead source, it's either a 2X or a 3X ROI, we keep it. If not, what happens is we start to dig into it and say, is this lead source that we're paying for, is the challenge the source or is the challenge our conversion and system that's right. around it? Can we adjust the system and the conversion uh, around that? Or is it the source itself that is going to be ineffective for us? And then we start to actually cut or, or scale back the lead sources based upon the return on investment and our cost per closing at that point as well too. Right. Yeah. And then the last piece, which is the, the one that, that we go to last is, you know, human capital, right? Who do we have on the team at this point that either isn't performing that's on payroll, isn't performing, um, is no longer necessary or the role is no longer necessary. Right. And, and can we consolidate and begin to cut? So it's never that third piece, like one and two are like the easier non-emotion pieces, um, the third piece is the tough one. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're you're having to to, and it's the last one you go to um, once you've done those first two, man. So that's yeah, how we that's how we navigated that. Was, I mean, tons of nuggets. I already got half page of notes. And again, if anybody's listening to these podcasts, the way I suggest they do is they do it in note taking format, right? You can pause this stuff, right? You can take notes, and I hope I hope people do, yeah. right? That idea of cost per closing is is a great one for people to really wrap their heads around. And I also love this when you're doing this, you'll realize real quickly that, you know, you, you just got fat, right? You just got fat with extra stuff. And like, if only they dialed up on, say, those best two to three X lead sources, rather than added the fifth and the sixth, they probably would already be ahead of where yeah. they were currently at, even because, you know, beyond the good times that the market rose them on, right? Yeah. So well, you like know, first thing is the, the, uh, a really good market hides them mistakes. Right? Yeah. And, um, but I'll, I'll tell you, like there, there were certain teams that um, we actually put more money into marketing, believe it or not, because we were able to look at, um, and I won't mention who it is, but it's a Canadian team over out of GTA. Um, and we were able to cut like, like billboards, um, and, and we did some, we ran some tests like this, this gentleman went into, he had a giant billboard right next to this restaurant. He went into the restaurant, he and his wife, and they sat down and they say, do you guys recognize us? And they're like, no, we don't. And these are people that work there. They've been driving in every single day past the billboard. And so we were able to cut like 18 billboards and bus benches. And we're able to reallocate that because we looked at our CPC, our cost per closing, right? And we said, dang, man, we've got this one source that has a really great low margin CPC, great ROI. Let's take this X amount or a portion of this X amount that we're spending on these billboards, which is exorbitant. And let's put it over into this source that we know can scale. And we're not going to hit what's called a saturation because some lead sources, you hit a saturation point where the more you do becomes a law of diminishing returns. But we did the math and we went great. And we saw the, the, the business pick up because we reallocated a portion of what was being spent that we had cut, right? So in many cases, you know, when a market shifts, it, it isn't 
it isn't always a time because you're never you're never gonna massively succeed by just cutting, right? And what you want to do is look at where you can take some of those funds that you cut, reallocate it, push into marketing, grand brand brand awareness and, and lead flow when everyone else is pulling back. If you do it intelligently and non-emotionally and not shiny penny wise, right? Yeah, yeah. Where everyone's like, there's a new one and there's a new one, right? So you can really use a shift in a market as many of my teams did to be able to gain awareness, gain eyes, gain market share, gain lead flow. So, and of course that's probably coached from a place of where there's cash flow, right? Where you're cash flowing and you can drive that uh, properly forward. And like, so what is the thing that most people just pulled away from that you're strate strategically, your, your groups or the smart groups that are, were positive cash flowing could then go pounce on anything that kind of comes to mind where people just pulled off because they just pulled off and, and they were spending money where um, they probably shouldn't have any idea there. So I'm going to, I'm going to go a different route on this here. Sure. Here's what I noticed. Um, so I'm going to answer the question this way. What was it that the, in addition to the marketing, the branding, cause you, you know me and, and those of those of you that don't, my basis for, for business modeling is that the best businesses are prospecting based mm -hmm. and then they're enhanced with marketing. I call it prospecting based marketing enhanced business model. Um, where you lead with discipline standards of lead gen and lead follow-up, but you enhance it with marketing to be able to either drive leads or to be able to create awareness so that when you do call or people do see you or you do talk to them and they go, hey, we're, we, we trust you. We, we, we see your stuff everywhere. We have awareness of you. Um, what happened in, uh, in, in 2021, I think we talked about this on, our, on episode 34, right? So um, was we all got away from prospecting is what happened. Right, because um, the market did a majority of the heavy lifting. The awareness was there. Uh, the FOMO was there of fear of missing out on this great market. And then when that market shifted in April and May, and then continued to through August and obviously in October and November, what I said to every single one of my teams and individual agents that I coach is, we got to go back to fundamentals um, that we forgot. And uh, every single team that, that they're probably watching this, they heard me say time and time again develop a culture that prospects, develop a culture of prospecting, develop a culture of prospecting. Um, and when we did that, we lost some people on the team, right? Uh, because there were certain people that were never going to be able to actually switch over. So um, we could make the shifts and the changes in the marketing, but if you don't develop that culture of prospecting, then it doesn't matter how much you spend on marketing because you don't have a team or you yourself won't, won't have that discipline or that standard of follow-up. So- yeah. Makes so much sense. And yeah, I mean, being a part of your coaching and experiencing that it's been such a, such a, such a, a theme for forever, even as you said, as things go well, yeah. that's, that brings me into a great question. So as you know, the headlines say one thing, us as agents are looking deeper and there's actually a lot of positive news popping up everywhere that people can use. And unless you're talking to people, right? Like they're not hearing it properly. They're hearing the, 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 of course, likely incorrect headline driver oh. that clickbaits how does this probably leads really well right into your nlp world around the whole idea of like what is it and how do we use it to our advantage can you give us a little take on this from sure. so let me let me lay a found again a foundational piece that i think is critical right um at, a for people to just truly understand the approach that i've, I've seen that works over, I think the exact number now DL is a hundred and over 16,000 coaching sessions. Oh right? my goodness. It's, it's 55, almost 60,000 hours of coaching. And you know what? I was talking to someone, uh, someone that we were talking about earlier, uh, off, off camera. And this person was like, man, how do you stay excited after all that? I'm like, I've Dude, I fucking love this, man. Like I, I, I enjoy being able more than anything else to be able to take someone who has never earned a million dollars and get them over that million dollar mark to have the conversation with them the day after where they go, I broke a million. I'm like, cool. You got in your car. Was there a ticker tape parade? They're like, no, I'm like, exactly. You need to go back to work. Right. So like it's, it's the same old day. Right. But it's exciting to have people do that. Um, and the basis of the selling style, and this, this was not, I hadn't codified this bro, um, uh, on our last call, but I really have over the course of this last year, I believe, um, the consumer has evolved that everyone really needs to understand this. The consumer has evolved. They have so much more access to data and information, most of which is tainted, most of which is not accurate. Right. 
Um, and so our job as salespeople, whereas before it was like, use this script, hard close, do this, you know, like here's, here's this angular. When I say angular, I mean, I'm going to get them in a corner and they're not going to be able to make any other choice. No. Right. And then I'm, then I got them. Right. That's not what I believe in. Um, and it's funny because I came from Mike Ferry and that's very much, you know, an appropriate model of selling for the eighties and the nineties and the early two thousands that the consumer has evolved out of. Yeah. I believe in everyone listen carefully in what's called education-based data-driven selling education-based. So what is that education-based data-driven selling is that I prospect to be able to find people who are motivated. My job then is to pr present data, facts, information, market specific, both national uh, uh, information and more localized, hyper-local information so that that motivated individual based upon their level of motivation can make intelligent decisions, right? So that, that like my job, every call as a salesperson is not to sell someone, it's to educate them on what's happening in the market. And if they're motivated enough, they'll listen. And if I present it effectively, okay. So, and it just, it just works now, right? Like that is a model of selling that we're finding works extremely well because no one likes to be sold. But if I come to a lead follow-up call and I go, Hey, Darren, I'm just giving you a call back. Just like I said, I would right? this key line right there, because it lets them know I do the shit that I say I'm going to do on the time I'm going to do it means integrity. Um, you know, I just want to confirm, are your plans still to move over to Kelowna because you guys are retiring and you know, you, you guys have that window of opportunity. Is that still your time frame in the next 90 days? And is that still your plans? Yeah, Bill, it is. Hey, Darren, I was thinking about you because right. I'm just curious. What have you heard or believe is happening in the local market today? I always lead with that question. Right? Right. What do you know or believe is happening in the local market here today? And I do that because I want to know what, the, what they are thinking. I want to know what they're believing. I want to know what I call their BS, right? And their BS is not their, what you would think it was. Their BS is their belief system. See, and it's really interesting in NLP, NLP is called neuro, which is of the nervous system or the mind, linguistic, which means spoken and programming, which is really interesting because there is a way to communicate with people like a computer program, like a computer program creates a specific output. Well, if you speak in a certain manner, right, then you can create an output for your clients to be able to move forward comfortably. Well, part of NLP is understanding the criteria and the belief system that people actually have so that you can meet them where they are to educate them and move them forward. Right. right? So in every follow-up call, I'm having this conversation of, uh, you know, like, what have you seen this happen? If I haven't talked to them in three weeks, any change in your perception of what you think is going on in the market in the last three weeks? I talked to them in two more weeks. Hey, anything else come up for you? And on every single one of these calls, then I'm saying to them, hey, let me share with you the reality of what's happened in the last two weeks, the changes that we've seen, right? Here's where inventory was. Here's where it's moved to in the last 30 days. Here's uh, the no total number of homes that have come to the market. There's a thousand homes that came to the market in the last 30 days. There's 1100 sales. Do you see that with inventory? Inventory is beginning to get constricted. And I can just create enough um, with the data, logical information for them to look at this DL and go, huh, the, I think waiting is better, but if I wait, there's going to be less for me to choose from and the interest rates may come down, but there's more competition while I should probably do something right now right. if I present that appropriately. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And I mean, I feel today as agents that are educating ourselves and staying plugged into the marketplace, it's never, we've never had more real good ammo to have real conversations with like it's endless right now Dude. and you all you set up a google alert to your local market and you will get hit with headline after headline that you could just go bring value to you look at your own data against the headline it creates a whole nother narrative for which we can go and paint and pull but again again I, I, if you're not like you mentioned prospecting based market enhanced and you're all marketing you're just simply not talking to enough people, which means you're likely not confident enough in the, in the message and the value you bring. Yeah. Right. Is that And fair? if you're dude, and if you're, here's the thing, if you can read and if you can listen, it is 
absolutely. Basically, if you have ears and eyes, right, Right. and you have a second grade education, it is absolutely irresponsible for you not to be spending 15 minutes diving into the local and national market news and trends from respected sources like housing wire or keeping current matters or um, uh, realtor.com or and the list goes on Inman, uh, mortgage bankers news. I'm giving all down here in the States. I know that up in, in, in uh, Canada, there's other ones as well too, but listen, if you're not educating yourself, Right. This is, I think there are, I think there's more buyers and sellers that are spending more time educating themselves on the market than a lot, than probably 90% of the agent population that's out there. And for me, that is a social and economic and also fiscal responsibility that we have to be able to, to educate ourselves so we can guide intelligently our clients so that they don't make stupid mistakes. So, yeah. I mean, and we're all told the world about, you know, the whole back to the marketing, back to social media, back to everything. Yeah. Well, gosh, if, if you're spending those 15 minutes, you've got like multiple outlets to get it out there. Yes, one-to-one with the people you're following up with and connecting with in your database, but then one-to-many in like- Shoot videos. Shoot a video. Everywhere, right? It's just, so I, I always tell agents like the time is never wasted unless you just never use that info for anything you just sit secret agent style behind the desk and hoping the phone rings but if you take action you're like oh my gosh i can use this in 40 different ways like gary v would say today right totally and you get excited like knowledge equals confidence that's one of the key things knowledge equals confidence ignorance equals fear i i gotta tell you bro on my coaching calls on my webinars that i lead at the seminars that i lead i get i'm so excited because I get to share like information for people where they can frame. And I watch the light bulbs go off and they're like, I know how to have that conversation with this buyer now about yes, interest rates are going to go down and that plays in your favor. But as interest rates go down, more buyers come to the market, which means that plays not in my favor. There's more competition. And also 80% of here in the States, all uh, homeowners are at 4% or lower interest rates, right? These are all data that I have, which means that there's going to be less inventory. I can now frame that story. I call it control the narrative. I can now control the narrative for that client, that consumer, so that here's my belief, a motivated and educated consumer will always make more intelligent decisions a motivated and educated consumer, but they've got to be motivated, willing to take action, willing to actually hear what I'm telling them. And they've got to be educated. That's my job. And I've mm-hmm. got to do it. This is key deal for all of you guys. And I was just on a call with uh, Corinne Nguyen, right? I think, you know, Corinne down in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, she's a great team. Um, and Corinne and I were talking and I was speaking to her team of about 45, 50 agents that I coach. And I said, they said, well, I've had this conversation with, with buyers and they haven't moved forward. I said, how many times do you have the conversation? Because what Johns Hopkins University has established, John Hopkins, which is a great Ivy League educated uh, you know, research uh, uh, university down here in the States, has established is human beings have to hear something six to seven times before it actually begins to change their reference point. Mm. So if you have the conversation one time, the buyer hears it. You're at a second time, you can adopt it maybe a little bit. By fourth, fifth, or sixth, they should, if they're motivated, be a, be like engaging, like I got it now at this point. That's why every follow-up call, and I know we're going like, we're going super tactical today, which I love because no, we didn't amazing. do that. Yeah. yeah, we didn't do that on the on uh, last year. Um, every follow-up call, if you're not bringing value, information, educating them, why are you making the call? Because all that you're going to do is you still plan on selling. Can we get together? You still want to buy? Okay, great. That's bullshit, man. You know, like you have a responsibility to educate them on every call, bring them data. So, well, I mean, and you made you with your scripting that you just kind of rolled off the top of your tongue, made it really easy when it's like, well, is there anything that's you've seen that has changed your perception? You yeah. can ask that every single time. Yes. And just let, like you said, let them speak. And then you find out their BS. Then you then re-educate. And then this is a cycle that can just be rolled over and over yeah. again as yeah. long as you're not scared to just initiate, right? As long as you're continuing to educate yourself and you have something new to bring to them. That's why when I say control the narrative, right? Um I think the first step is you've got to control the narrative with your 
self. And the right. only way you, meaning you as a salesperson, as a business professional, as a real estate agent, the only way you do that is through the education process of 15 minutes a day. Right. And I do this while I'm on the treadmill. I do it when I've got a little break, but for 15 minutes, every single day, I'm, I'm digging man. you know, and that just helps what it does. Is it helps me feel confident to be able to direct my clients and for them to direct their buyers and sellers to be able to actually make the right choices. And when you have that confidence, people feel certainty and that certainty creates that affinity to work together, that, right. that influence, if you will. So, yeah. so with that, and if you educated and you're confident, you're taking the knowledge forward, you're, you're, you know, you're sharing that, is that where some of the strategies within how you speak in NLP start to add fuel to that fire? Is that right? hundred percent. So the, here's the process, ready? Like education-based data-driven selling. Educate yourself first so that you can control the narrative with you, right? Come up with dialogues, which I've created. And we create together with my coaching clients, create dialogues that work to be able to actually frame that inside. In fact, if you go to uh, the website, coachpipes.com, you're going to see there's an ultimate offer acceptance strategy that's inside of there. And that uh, you can just click on it and you get it for free. And that is like an education-based script, right? So then you get that script. And then you get it, look at it and go, okay, cool. I've got the data. Well, it's one thing to look at that and to have the data. It's another thing. Step number three is you've got to practice that shit over and over again to be able to intelligently deliver it. Because if I show up with you, DL, and I just go, okay, let me tell you about what's going on here. So their inventory is up, uh, you know, 4% and sales are down 20%. And last year, if I start verbally vomiting just all this data, it has no influence. Mm -hmm. But if I can then take that script and go, Darren, do you know what inventory levels are? And you go, well, I think so. Inventory levels are a real estate term that we use to keep track of how many homes are actually for sale. You can see right now, and I take out the sheet and I point at it where I have the data, if I'm meeting them in person, where are we right now on inventory levels? Well, there's 1,100 homes for sale. You're absolutely correct. Darren. And where were we 90 days ago? Oh, wow. Look at that. Uh, there were 1400 homes for sale. Yep. That's right. So what does that tell us? Well, there's fewer homes for sale. Now the market is trying and I do that, right. Then I'm engaging them. They're not checking out, but there's some key things. So that, that from an NLP standpoint, you really have to work on, right. A you've got to speak with authority. Right. You like, you have to come at this and there's like from a very young age, we have all been conditioned to listen to people who are in authority position from our parents and from school and from church or whatever, you know, like we tell our kids, when you talk to Riker and Riker needs to go to his room, right. Or I talk to Liam and I say, whatever it is I'm saying to him about his grades, like we were talking about. I'm not like, Oh, sweetheart, it's going to be okay. I'm like, dude, get your grades up. Riker, go to your room. We're conditioned to listen to people who are in authority. So you got to speak in an authoritative position. And how you do that is A, through tone going down, but B, through knowing your stuff inside and out as well too. So Yeah, I mean, how does somebody, if that's of interest, where they think, you know what? I'm having these conversations. You know, I get what Bill and Darren are saying, or I'm moving the needle, I'm driving this forward, I'm having these conversations, but they're trying to like add that little extra oomph and control because they feel like, they're comfortable at the door, they're comfortable on the phone, but they yep. want to upgrade that and take a little more control NLP style. I mean, how, how do they learn more about that? Do you have some key resources or? Yeah, or so, I mean, I run a, a course two times a year. That's, uh, uh, and I don't think the site's even up because we just closed it out. Sure. Um, but I run a course two times a year. That's an intensive. I mean, it's intense where yeah. you're learning nine different language patterns, four different, uh, rapport building themes. And so, you know, as that comes around, you know, just if, if they're watching me on online or whatever, I always bring it up. Um, there, yeah. is, there's a couple of books I'm looking back behind here, um, that I really like. Um, one is called instant rapport by Michael Brooks. It's a great mm -hmm. primer. It's a basic fundamental book. Instant Rapport by Michael Brooks. Um, the Power of Charm, which is by Brian Tracy and Ron Arden, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, which is good. But the one that's the daddy, man, that's just <laughs> it, like, is good. And I can't see it here. Uh, it's called Unlimited, Unlimited Selling Power by Donald J. Moyne, M-O-E-N-E. -E. Don't 
confuse it with Tony Robbins, unlimited power. That's not it. It's right. unlimited right. selling power. And that is a like insane, like tome of like how you use NLP and sales. Cause a lot of the NLP that you'll study is going to be therapeutic made by Richard Bandler and John Grinder. Cause it was originally a therapeutic tool to be able to help people get over phobias. So mm, Boyne has right, done a right. really good job of really t- taking that and turning it into a sales portion. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if people, maybe I'll, I'll summarize this for a second. See, tell me if I'm right or wrong. Yeah. If you train in the NLP patterns, you have the ability to further drive the outcome mm-hmm. that you're trying to get. Yep. And, and it, it's this ability for us as sales agents who uh, we're in the business of persuasion, but again, Always. not in it, not in an unauthentic and not in a dark way, but in the way that we know will serve best our clients and the people to work with us. If we, again, believe we're the best for them, which has to be part of it, you're doing them a favor if they're working with us more, right? So your job is to see the best return on your time and the NLP strategies can further help you uh, drive towards that. Is that fair to say? It's fair to say. In fact, I want to give some people some hacks right now. Can I? Can I? Fair, can, yeah, I yeah. can I give some hacks? Yeah. I, I was thinking I've never done this before, so I'm sort of stoked to actually do this. Um, I'm going to give you a couple things that you can do right now. One of them is called an adverb presupposition, an adverb presupposition. I can use words to create meaning for the rest of the sentence. If I say naturally, Darren, right? Uh, you know, you're beginning to get excited about us work together. Well, that pre that presupposition of naturally presupposes it's natural for you to feel that. Mm. I say. Obviously, you can see that this market is beginning to shift. Using words like naturally, obviously, clearly, frankly, uh, undoubtedly, um, you know, that what it does is it actually frames the rest of the sentence that the person begins to listen, the consumer begins to listen, like, well, of course, this naturally we want to actually meet. The person goes, yeah, that one word creates meaning in, in time in terms mm-hmm. of the awareness that the person has. Now, that's called an adverb presupposition. Try it out. Like just start your sentence off with naturally, uh, supposedly, clearly, frankly, undoubtedly, um, you know, and there's about 40 of them. Yeah. So that's one. Second one. This one's my favorite. Okay. It's called a awareness presupposition, right? NLP has a lot of presuppositions and presuppositions are nothing more than a word that you use to create uh, a meaning. If I say, Hey, Darren, you're becoming aware that this market is beginning to actually become more competitive, correct? Right? Using this become aware, what happens is maybe Darren wasn't aware of it, right? But when I say you're becoming aware, it actually takes their mind and says, look at what I'm about to say. You're now going to actually become aware of this, right? You're becoming yeah. aware that this market is becoming more competitive. Hey, hey, Darren, you're starting to recognize. That's another one. You're starting to recognize. You're starting to recognize that because we've helped so many families like yourself, that we're probably one of the best choices for you to be able to buy a home, right? Yeah. So they may not yeah. have even noticed that, but I said, you're starting to recognize that because we've helped so many other families. And now they're looking at that and I've directed their awareness to what it is I want them to think about or to be able to actually experience. So. 100%. Because you say that same thing when you're trying to sell your own value proposition. You can say that one way, but then if you add any one of these suppositions, presuppositions, it adds extra power to it. So it's like, whoa, okay. Like yeah. you want that outcome, right? You were saying it plainly the other way. You add one of these two and you're right. You're driving, planting the seed, framing it, right? Framing it. Well, let me give you the example of the, the difference, right? Okay. If I, if I don't use an awareness presupposition, remember the, the phrase is you're becoming aware that because we've helped so many families, we're, we're most likely the best fit for you to be able to buy a home. Well, that's the elegant NLP way. If I go, we've helped a lot of families. That's why you should choose us to be able to help you buy a home. Right. Yeah. Like in your face and it creates. That feels salesy, right? That's the one that you're like. feels salesy right? And it's just like that angular type of thing. But I soften it. You're becoming aware that because we've helped all these families, right? We're, we're most likely the best fit to help you buy a home. And it's totally. just such an elegant manner to use language to be able to create the reality, right? So I could see a use case for this 
when you're trying and working with your clientele that maybe are listed with you. And again, you know, it takes a while sometimes for them to believe us in, you know, price reductions, challenges, feedback. And as you paint the education to them, they still may not listen. You already said six, seven times before they reframe themselves. So, you know, don't be scared as an agent to say things more often, even to your own clients. But then again, with this, getting them, you know, you've become aware, likely the market has shifted, and we're no longer achieving that dollar per square foot or whatever that might be, they start to say, Oh, yeah, you know, what? I do get it that the price is overpriced, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a way to be able to bypass the natural resistance that people experience uh, in these situations. There's a lot. I mean, Moyne's book is great on that. That's what I teach in that 12 week intensive class as well, too. So um, yeah. and you know, like I've always found that uh, like learning, it's really like learning any new language. You have to write sentences of phrases and dialogues. We did this with your team. Remember that? Oh yeah. Like years, I still years have ago. Um, the Mike Ferry audio that you had sent me years ago from your yes. past. Oh my and I, I remember going through this over and over again. And every time you do it, it's just another like, wow. And I, I do find myself still to this day, even though I haven't trained in it for half a decade finding ways to position that way to some degree. I do hear myself saying it and you watch, look around the room and you're like, nobody knows this, right? They have no idea. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like being a magician, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then when you find out the magician, what he's doing or she's doing, you're like, oh, I see it now. And then you become the magician yourself, right? Which is 100%. really fun. And, and keep in mind, like the whole frame inside of this is we are here to connect and serve other people. And so can this be a manipulative dark force? Sure. If that's where your intent is. But if you really come at this and say, I'm going to use whatever tool I can, because I believe that our team, myself, whatever is the best agent to be able to help them. And they're making a huge mistake because they can leave money on the table, right? Or they could miss opportunities on the house of their dreams. Then I'm going to use this to be able to connect with them, create trust, respect, and rapport with them to be able to serve them. That's the key. Man. Yeah, man, so, we're, we're supposed to believe we're the real estate advisor, we're the and we're supposed to believe we're guarding protecting our spheres and our clients better than anybody else. And if you fully believe that you're going down the white, the, the light, not the dark, right? right. So it's like, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, the it's the force. I, I mean, you know me, I'm a big Star Wars geek. So, mm -hmm. you know, like, there's only one force. And then there's the dark side of the force and the light side of the force, but there's only one force. It's how you choose to use it. You know, This stuff has to be some of the most underutilized, under-executed strategies that could, yeah. could roll into an agent's role. You it's, know, resources, it's really right? sad too. Cause it's a, it's, it's really like, a, um, I, I want to say it's a dying art. Right. And the reason being is because there's fewer and fewer people that are actually teaching it out there. And, yeah. uh, you know, like, and it's not for everyone, you know, like some people are just like, I need my next deal. Okay. Well, you don't need to worry about NLP. You need to worry about some fundamentals. Right. So, so yeah. I mean, again, that comes, we go full circle around coaching. You and I talked about this offline is, I mean, agents sometimes just want to feel busy. And they're most of the time, you know, not in the mega team world, but you know, a lot of agents trying to get some real traction, break that first six figures, second six figures, do it again. The busy is in the wrong place, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Right. So the busy is not in the right stuff. So like, you know, and they're focused mostly on marketing related stuff and not a lot of the skills, not a lot of the conversations and they, but they feel busy. Yeah. Right. And then that I think is a, is an absolute sin happening in our industry. There's so many ways for me to just feel like I did lots this week and the whole social media push personal brand stuff. It, to be honest, pisses me off a lot. I'm so excited to hear you say that, man. You know what I mean? Because, um, this, this is my, I'm not sure how many can see that. It's, yeah, I got that. I can see. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the three circles. I call this S4. This is one of those cornerstones of my coaching as well, too. Um, there's three different circles in one circle. This is what I found are the fundamentals, the basis that all great real estate, uh, organizations have, whether it's an organization of one or organization of a hundred, right. Um, they put a focus on skills, which is in one circle, right. And skills is nothing more than dialogues, conversations, and techniques that you use to create rapport and connection to move people forward and influence them to make intelligent choices. That's what a skill is. They have a focus on standards, right? And there's specific standards that they have in their business or for their team. And those standards, a standard is nothing more than rituals, routines, disciplines that you engage in that align with your goal and are non-negotiable, 
the best teams and the best agents. The reason that they got there is because they have fucking higher standards than everybody else, right? Yeah. Of themselves. And subsequently, eventually that goes over to the team, but the standards are with love for self and love for others. And then strategy is nothing more than systems processes to be able to have the organization, the leads, uh, be able to to uh, operate from a, a high level of efficiency, meaning it you can get more done with a shorter amount of time and effectiveness, meaning you produce the greatest results. When you're working on as a business owner, and if whether you're the owner of your own company, every day I'm going to work on my skills. Every day I'm going to run my business based upon certain standards, uh, uh, rituals, routines, disciplines, like I'm going to prospect every single day, right? Or I'm going to go out, I'm going to knock on X number of doors, or I'm going to put, you know, two posts on social media. Those are standards. All those are standards, right? And you operate on those standards and then you're operating and you're running plays that work. You do these three, I call it S4 because it's the three small S's that in this small center is the intersection. If you do all of this, that's the small intersection of success. I call it the big S. The three Makes S's sense. that lead up to the big S, skills, standards, and strategies that give you success in the business, period. Um, now, is marketing in there? Marketing is a strategy, right? Sure. Marketing is a standard. I do this to my past clients 40 times a year, right? Okay. But, uh, you know, like if you're not working on your skills and you're not prospecting every single day, I promise you, like you will not have the breakthrough in your business that you want to have. You may have a short-term market-driven success, but it's not sustainable for a long period of time. For sure. Yeah. There'll be people that will hear this or they'll, they'll put themselves in a place to learn and educate. Right. So for instance, with my uh, brokerage meetings, I run a sales market update every first Tuesday of every month. And I take the big hairy bit of data, condense it down to the version that I'm going to share to the world. Then I share it to them with context. But you, you, you know that the agents in the room 12 months from now that have just listened again because they enjoy the content, but then never shared it forward, never got more confident to use it. And I just, that it's the gap, that execution gap that it just, as a coach, as a, and not a coach like you, but just trying to like how to get them from giving them the world to get them to get out in the world. That, that, that shift is such a tricky thing. Any, any take, cause I, I know any agent listening is like, that's me. That's me something, about that thing. Right. Something, something I got from Gary Keller uh, years ago. And I think that's one of, one of the. I was talking to uh, this other coach who we were at dinner uh, uh, on Wednesday night and the conversation that we had, and I realized is, I, I mean, I look, I'm not sure if you can see this, I'll actually grab this. I keep this on my desk. I look at it every single day. That's, that's the Godfather. That's freaking Mike Ferry, man. Like there dude, he is. Yeah. That guy, that guy looks at me every day. I'm looking at him right now, <laughs> you know? Um, and then I had Gary Keller and then I got the chance to be able to align with Tom Ferry. And then I got the chance to align with John Cheplak. Right. And, uh, and from every single one of them, I just learned something, but from Keller, I learned start small to go big, start small to go big. I think a lot of times we, we go to events, we hear these great webinars, these podcasts, uh, we read a book and we get so overwhelmed with so many things that you need to do. Here's what I tell you. You don't need more information. I think it's great to hear information again, because we need to hear it six times, right? What you need to do is start small and small executable things. Like here's what I would say to you guys, as we wind down, what's the one thing you're going to execute on from this? Because otherwise, if all you did was get more information, it ain't going to change your business and it's not going to change your life. But if you were to pause right now, which I'd encourage everyone to do, press pause and then write down my one executable item over the next seven days from what Langell and Pipes were talking about is going to be this. That's what you need to do. Less information, more action, more executing on what you know you need to do. And if you have to start small, like I'm not prospecting coach, Good. Start with a call, a conversation a day. Do that for seven to 10 days. It's better than not. Hey, I'm horrible at video. I'm scared of video. I've never done it. Good. Shoot one and get it out per, you know, yeah. like, and, and just start small to go big and you build up that confidence that you need. So, yeah, I mean, that is the case. It's just that like, find that one friend you're willing to share the market info to, Yeah. right? The one that's not getting, the one's your biggest cheerleader and, and until you're comfortable and then eventually you're spitting it out to cold people on the, after you're just sold door knocking campaign, right? right? So I, I'll share something really funny about that. And then we got what uh, we can wind down and I got a jam. Um, Mike Ferry, when we would go to dinner, cause I was, I was married to Mike's daughter, right? And many people don't know that, but for years, Michelle and I were together for almost 13 years. 
we go to we go to dinner with Mike and he would just constantly be telling jokes to us this joke and that joke and this joke and that joke and this joke and that joke and like like okay like and it was great because some of the jokes were funny and some of them weren't and some of the delivery was good and some of it wasn't but but what happened is then he'd have the superstar retreat or he'd have his action workshop or one of the events and all of a sudden guess what i heard he's telling the joke that he had been telling us at dinner or at lunch or when we we're on the golf course and he all he was doing was like a great comedian practicing his freaking delivery right right and so that when he stood on stage he had it down well we that's what we need to be doing with everyone that we know like share the data with everyone like you know like have conversations try it out on your friends and whatever they won't know they'll appreciate it because the minute that someone finds out you're in real estate they want to go what the hell's going on with the market practice your shit on that right yeah. and so that you begin to get comfortable mike did it for years worked pretty well for him you know what i mean so yeah that's right exactly well bill you I mean i I've got way more pages and overprepared once again. And of course, we got to be mindful of time and, and everybody. But again, we've just covered a lot. Uh, I love these chats with you because we can go so deep because you've got such a depth of like experience to share. Um, where is the best place for people to just like uh, find you and follow you and stay connected? Sure. And um, You can go to my website, coachpipes.com, right? Um, or you can actually follow me on Instagram at coachpipes. Right. Either, either one of those two. I mean, and then Bill Pipes on, uh, on Facebook, but I'm super active on, on Instagram. I love Instagram. I think it's a great platform to be able to actually be in communication with individuals. Um, you know, if you're on the, uh, on the website, right. Be sure to, to get that free ultimate offer acceptance strategy, become part of our network so that I, as things are evolving and changing, I'm always sending emails out to you guys, not spamming you and like bullshit. It's, Here's something I think you need to know. That's my commitment, man. I'm, my goal, dude. Think, if you were spamming me or anybody listening, if you were the one spamming me, I would be opening that email anyway. So I'm <laughs> away because Bill's value is there. Damn right? away, yeah. <laughs> I, and I just, I, I want everyone just to hear that. I, I, I mean it. I think if you're in this industry, if you're in this business, you deserve to earn seven figures. I would ask you to open up to that's why you got in the business and, and sure we have limiting beliefs around it, but there's a pathway to success to be able to do that. And if you're going to play the game of real estate and the sacrifices and all the work that goes into it, why not play it for seven figures, you know, and oh, darn, I failed and I got 800,000. And of course, money isn't like everything, but it's a measure of this, of the people you contribute to. And I'll tell you what. When you earn that income, it gives you those, that discipline gives you choices. Those choices give you options. Those options give you freedom. Really earning seven figures in real estate is nothing more than you creating freedom in your life for your kids, yourself, and for financial, financial well-being and the uh, support and assistance of your clients. So really let that resonate in your head as we end today, man. Yeah. I mean, that's a great way to leave us. So, well, everybody, I am so excited you got to hear this conversation. We went down some paths and deeper and some super tactical ones. So if you missed them and you didn't take the four pages of notes like I did, please go back and do it. And I'm doing that while I'm actually doing this podcast. So there's no reason you guys can't be doing that. I'm so thankful for you, Bill. You made, uh, made it awesome once again. And uh, I just can't wait to connect in person or next time we come across each other. Make sure you let me know about your next workshop series so I can point sure. people to it. We'll link it's it coming in, in September. It's coming in September. We just don't have it hammered down. It's going to be my, my first, all me, like, you know, without it being aligned to another company. So I'm really excited, very proud and going through all those wonderful experiences of being an entrepreneur, you know what I mean? That everyone of you goes through. So Darren, thank you, man. I'm so proud of you. So grateful to call you friend, family, man. So you guys crush it. Thank you so all much. Right. Well, it's been another re-education experience podcast. Thanks for your time and attention. And we will catch you next time. Oh,